You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. My message this morning is simple. I'm not the brightest guy, so it has to be simple. Just simply, this is my story. The Bible says in Psalm 34 verse 19, that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. I want you to hear that. Many. Because you're a Christian, it doesn't mean that you're not going to go through some challenges. In this world, you're going to face tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's what Jesus says. Our peace is found in Him and our victory is found in Him. And there are many afflictions that we face, but God will deliver us out of them all. He doesn't say He'll deliver us out of some of them. He says, out of them all. And I don't know what you're facing this morning or have gone through over the last while, but I want to encourage you not to lose hope. It too shall pass. God is for you. God is with you. And God is here to guide you and lead you. And um, I want to say this. I'm just trying to get a foundation just to get a feeling, but I'm going to say this and I'm going to say a few statements before I get into the message that God is more in control than what you think. You might be going through something. You might be a Joseph who has a big dream and wants to do great things for God. And you find yourself rejected by people, rejected by family, thrown into a pit, thrown into prison, forgotten in prison. But the Bible says in Genesis 50 verse 20 that what the enemy intended for your harm, God will turn around for your good to save many people alive. Now we're going to work here together this morning. We're not going to sit and be quiet. I know we shouted for the bocker yesterday. And, and, and before that, you shouted for the Stormers, and they won, and we're now shouting for Jesus. We're going to get into this thing together this morning. But while Joseph was going through his process of 13 years, there's a passage in Scripture that, I, that I'd never read, well, I probably read it, but never seen it, and it talks about how, how, how God sent a man before them. His name was Joseph, who was sold as a slave. In other words, in all the challenges and the afflictions that Joseph went through, God was more in control than what we think. And even though you might be going through some battles and some challenges, I'm going to say it again. God is more in control than what you think. We have to believe the Bible from Genesis to Revelations, but we don't understand all of it. We have to trust God, but don't always understand all of it. We've got to keep walking with God and learn to navigate the challenges of life that are ahead of us. I mean, the world has gone crazy in the last 27 months. It possibly was crazy before that, but it's gone more crazy. I just came back from London last week, and it's just as crazy in London, if not more so than in South Africa. The world has gone crazy, and we've seen some very strange things. We've heard many strange stories. And in some cases, maybe not at the Bay, but definitely in my church in Durban, um, we've even done some crazy stuff that makes absolutely no sense at all. We live in a world today that is struggling and confused. We live in a world that is struggling with its identity. People do not know who they are anymore and why we are living and Christians have been tested in what it is that they truly believe. We have to, let's start there. We have to believe the Word of God. We have to believe the Word of God. We have to believe the Word of God. But it doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to. 
How many of you drink milk? Most of you, come on. There's a brown cow eating green grass, producing white milk. Have you ever asked that question? There's a glass of milk in front of you. Well, I'm drinking white milk that comes from a brown cow that eats green grass. How's that all work? But how come when it comes to the things of God, it's got to be an explanation? How come when it comes to things of God, we've got to be able to work it out that it's, it's, it's understanding to our finite mind and God is infinite? How come? Why can't we just by faith, if God says it, that settles it and we believe it. If God said I'm to love my neighbor, I'm going to love my neighbor whether I like him or not. If God says I'm to bless others, I'm going to bless others whether I will like them or not. When God says, why, why have we always got to say, but I'll do this if God, no, no. Why don't we just follow God? Oh, if it's tough, then God can't be in it. No, no, generally when it is tough, God is in it. The disciples were sent across to the other side by Jesus. They were in the will of God and they found themselves in a storm. God uses those things which don't make sense to get us into the position where He can use us. In the midst of all this confusion, this craziness, God is still working and God is still in control. Now, I preached here in January, and I probably touched on one or two things of my story, but we've just celebrated a year of, uh, since it was the riots and the looting in, the, in Durban, primarily. A year. A year has gone by. I mean, 27 months ago, we started this whole COVID thing. And I want to start my story by saying, 2020, COVID hits the world, if you didn't know. I mean, we're only about a month now that we can wear, wear no masks. And I, I respect those that still wear masks. When you travel now, there's still people wearing masks, etc. But, but, but the reality is there are no masks. It's nice to see some faces. I think the last time I came here, there were masks. And you've got to try and read people's eyes instead of their smiles. Now I can see you all. Now come on, just smile for a second. Make me feel like, um, you know, people say, it's funny, we had all masks for two and a half years and people come and greet you and then, then you don't know who they are. We hid behind masks. 2020, the world is in crisis because of a pandemic. The previous pandemic that they hit the world, here's a scary thought. They put the people that were infected into lockdown. This pandemic, they put the healthy into lockdown. Crazy things happened. And my pastor, and the reason I'm sharing this, because I believe our walk with our pastor, our leader, is critical in us getting into the promised land God's got for us, in us getting into the destiny God's got for us. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 20, 20, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. And I believe the prophet that God gives us is the man of God that leads us in the local church. COVID hits the world and passed out declares Genesis 50 verse 20. Now I've got to tell you as part of my story, I was diagnosed with cancer about 12 years ago. And the day I got operated on, serious operation, Pastor, I'd say to me, what the enemy intended for your harm, God will turn around for your good. I didn't even relate it to Genesis 50 verse 20. So when he shared Genesis 50 20 at the beginning of 2020 in the lockdown and said, whatever the enemy is intended for your harm, God is going to mean it for your good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. I decided as a Christian, I'm going to declare this every single day of my life. And I'm telling you, I began to declare it and it all sat in my head. It made no sense. You see, faith is a journey. 
Your Christian walk is a journey. It's not just a, an instant, 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 instant. It's a journey with God. I've been saved 25 years. I didn't get saved and I was perfect. Yes, legally in Christ I was perfect, but experientially there's a journey. I had to renew my mind. I had to go through processes. I had to go through a journey of getting to know God better. And there's always a journey of getting to know God more intimately through the challenges that we face. I would declare every single morning that the enemy intended to harm me, but God's going to turn around for my good to save many people alive. And as I would declare it, it went from my head to my spirit. I had to get a revelation of it. Pastor, I'd said in the beginning of the COVID epidemic, uh, pandemic that, 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 that we will we'll meditate on Psalm 23, that the Lord is our shepherd. Even in the difficult times, God is our shepherd. He will lead us. He will guide us. And we have to learn to navigate the journey. Like a, a captain of a ship, you have to navigate the storms of life. Change tack, change direction. And I would keep declaring these scriptures and, and declaring these words. Now, as part of my story, I must tell you that at this stage, we were in a legal battle with our building, been going almost four years, and this gave the owners the upper hand, the lockdown. We were facing challenges, my story. Not somebody else's story, my story. What I went through personally during COVID, what I went through personally in the last year. Many things people don't know about. And I made a commitment to God that as we start coming out of the, the struggle, that I would share the honest truth to help people understand that they've got a story, that they've got a journey, that they've got battles they've got to overcome, which becomes part of their testimony, that when they share that, it'll stir up faith in others and lead people to Christ. So 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire and their wives, their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Verse 4, then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. He had two wives. God bless him. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters, but David strengthened himself in the, the Lord his God. Whenever you go through a battle, the first place you've got to turn is God, G-O-D. Get back into the presence of God. Get back into the place where you talk to God. Get back to the place where you, you declare the things of God over your life. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Let the weak say, I am strong. You have to change your confession about your circumstances and you find that in the Word of God. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the effort here to me. And Abiathar brought the effort to David. So David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue for you shall overtake them and without fail recover all. Pursue without fail. You will recover all in Jesus' name. Now I'm going back to what my pastor said to me. That what the enemy intended for your harm, God's going to turn around for your good. 
It didn't make sense. Then he says, the Lord will lead you and guide you. It didn't make sense. And then he says, 2021 is a year of divine restoration and recovery. And we will recover all and more. I said, God, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe it. Believe in the Lord your God. You shall be established. Believe His prophet and you shall prosper. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe it. And in the natural, things got worse. It now was the second year of lockdown. It was now the second year of online church. It was now the second year of people being scattered all over the country and leaving cities and moving to different places. It was now a second year where people were questioning God and where people were questioning what they believe about God. And as a pastor, it wasn't the easiest time for us. But we had to get up onto our platforms and behind a camera and not have anybody looking at you. And we had to preach the gospel and bring hope to people that were feeling hopeless. And I did that. Zoom meetings and online meetings and spitting at camera lenses for hours. Bringing hope. Somebody said that you're the pastor that spits when you preach. Well, I'm passionate, man. I mean, if you love your wife, do you want a dry kiss? Come on, man. Let's just get a bit of life into us. We, we get so religious. We get all so perfect and so, <laughs> we don't do this, we don't do that, and la, 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 la. No, you can kiss your wife passionately if she is your wife, not somebody else's wife. I'm going to spit because I'm excited. How can I not be excited about Jesus? I mean, I remember the first online church service we had. My PA at the time, she, had, she held my, uh, my uh, online things broke down. So she held my cell phone. We went online on cell phone. And she just stand like a meter away from me. And I'm preaching. She needed a shower. She had a shower. She didn't have an umbrella. She had a shower. She's like ducking and diving. I said, if I got COVID, you got it, girl. Hey, I'm passionate. Because God is good and God is true and God's word is alive and God will watch over his word to perform it in your life if you will believe it. So pastor declares a year of divine restoration and recovery and we trust in God, believe in God and then we had those riots in Durban. I don't know if the media have got uh, uh, the footage of it but we had the real riots in Durban. They talk about the riots in Gauteng and Durban. Let me tell you, Durban was a war zone. It was an absolute war zone. And I mean, I'll never forget the day before the, the riots uh, broke out, I was preaching and I said, the next fire that we're going to see in Durban is a fire of revival. And the next wave we're going to see is a wave of revival. And then the fire started. And they weren't fires of revival. They were fires of riots. But God has been faithful to us. It's almost a year has passed since the devastation of this violence that gripped Durban and we saw our church looted. When I'm talking about our church being looted, they had four attempts to burn down our building. The building on the left-hand side burned to the ground. The building on the right-hand side, 60% burnt down. 80% of all our equipment was stolen and what they didn't steal, they destroyed. But the Bible says... 
All the forces of darkness, Isaiah 14, 27, can't stop what God has ordained. I want to submit to you today that sometimes we as Christians have to have a backbone. Sometimes we as Christians have to be so stubborn in believing God that it doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what's happening around us. We trust in God no matter what. That all the forces of darkness cannot stop what God has ordained, what God has promised for your life. 1 Samuel 30 verse 8, Pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. I mean, a year later, we have seen the divinely orchestrated restoration that Pastor prophesied over CRC in January 21. That God is still good. That prayer still works. That Jesus still saves. I want to declare today that we will still see revival in our land, South Africa. That we will still see the greatest churches being built. That we will still see great leadership being raised up in Jesus' name. I'll get more into that just now. 2022, my pastor declares that this will be a year of divine orchestrated breakthrough. We're starting to see the recovery after what we've been through. And then the floods came. The floods. I mean, we had the fire, and then we had the floods. I mean, I'm telling you now, I've never seen such devastation in my life. When you walk down riverbeds, and there are people with, with sticks, poking the sticks into the mud on the side of the river to look for their lost ones. So hopefully the, 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 the sticks would, would stop somewhere, and they could dig it up, and it would be their family members. The floods came. This is my story where I had to make a decision to stand on God's Word in a different way. Where I had to trust God when people were telling me, no, you've made mistakes, Pastor Glenn. You've got the church in the wrong place. Some guy said you're in the wrong city. People started telling me that Durban is cursed because of this and cursed because of that, and this is God's punishment on Durban. Now, I want to say something to you as well. I'm not trying to make it all negative, but, but what's important to note in this season, as, as you're a leader and you're leading people, we also all experience some personal losses. We all lost some loved ones. Many of us took financial knocks and, and, and deep down had some questions for God. In this season, my father was hospitalized for six months, was in ICU on a ventilator for 40 days. In a coma for 17 days, four major surgeries. His heart stopped, his lungs collapsed, and in the process had his leg amputated. But the worst part was he wasn't yet saved. And what I want to say to you this morning is I have learned to trust God in good seasons. I have learned to trust God in difficult seasons. I have learned to trust God and not try to understand God when I've taken some shots. During the riots, 450 people lost their lives. When they tried to burn down our building, that gave advantage to the people we were in the legal battle with. Ransacked and stole our equipment, destroyed the inside of our building. On top of that, we lost 80% of our income in one month. July 2021, 80% of our income, one month. We've had roughly 1,400 people that were members of our church leave Durban. We had members stop coming to church because they said that throughout COVID we fed the poor and it was those poor that ransacked our building. Therefore, they're not coming back to our church. Business people. 
People that started putting their preferences and their fears above honoring God. But the truth is, God comes through. If we stay in the race, God will come through for you. And I'm going to bring it back to you. I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're experiencing in your personal lives. But I want to tell you that God is good, that God will deliver you, that God will heal you, that God will bless you, that God will redeem you, that God will restore you, that God will bring divine restoration and orchestrate breakthrough for you if you keep on pressing in and you keep on trusting and you keep on yielding and you keep on believing leaving. Oh, come on. Somebody can jump to their feet this morning and give God some praise for what He has done, for what He is doing, for what He's still going to do. Oh, come on the bay there in the other campuses. Oh, jump to your feet, man. Come on. We can praise Him. We can love on Him. My dad's a great leader. My dad. I've got two great leaders that lead me, and that's Pastor Utt and my dad. My dad's a secular leader. And I'll never forget the day we got to our building for the first time after all the riots. It was a Friday. And I thought, I better phone my dad and tell him that we are alive. And we might have taken some shots, but we're still going strong. And he said to me, son, what are you going to do for church? Now, he's not a Christian. I said, Dad, we haven't got a church left at this stage, so we, we're meeting on the Saturday morning to clean up some stuff, and, 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 and we'll just tell all the people to watch online on Sunday that stage, we were down to 50 people in attendance, allowed to be. And he said to me, what would a leader do? What would a leader do in a crisis? He leads. Christians are leaders. What should we be doing in crisis is leading. Didn't make sense. Dad, all I want to do is crawl into a hole and just work things out. No, son, you're a leader. Lead. That's all he said to me. He actually made a bit of a joke. He said, you charismatics, you don't need the smoke and the lights and the music. Just come there and worship your God. Well, I went to bed that Friday night, and I didn't sleep. And all I could hear, the, voices, the voice of my pastor saying, when the enemy pushes back, you push back harder. When the enemy pushes back, you push back harder. And I woke up early that morning. Well, I wasn't really sleeping, but I sent pastor out a text message at 6 o'clock in the morning. I said, Pastor, we will have a service on Sunday. I don't care how we're going to do it. We'll have a service. I told people, we had 220 people that arrived, and we worshiped in an empty auditorium without sound equipment. But we decided we're going to make a difference. We're going to believe God. We're going to trust God for restoration. We're going to trust God for divine orchestrated breakthrough. As CRC, we fed more people in that season than we've ever done. We came together as a, as a, as a move of churches, and Pastor had sent 13 trucks down to Durban with boxes of food to feed families of four for a month. 13,000 food hampers. We did more for God. We received more for God. And we began to see God's divine restoration. And when the floods hit, we saw God's divine breakthrough. We've got a breakthrough with our building, and now we're busy having the building put onto our name. We've got over all the legal battles, etc. God is faithful when you take Him at His word. God is faithful when you trust Him, even in the midst of trial and difficult circumstances. We haven't recovered all yet, but God is busy. We haven't seen the full breakthrough yet, but we're well on our way to it. And there are three things I want to give you this morning in a few minutes that are left. Three things that I learned about God in a different dimension. I'm not saying I never applied these three things to my life. But I've applied them differently now. 
You know, Acts chapter 26, where Paul recounts his conversion on the road of Damascus. He said, he asked two questions when he encountered God. He said, who are you, Lord? And what would you have me do? I believe those are prayers that Christians should be praying all the time. Who are you, Lord, in this season of my life? Who are you, Lord, in this season? I'm born again, but who are you in this season? And maybe you're going through a difficult financial time and God will reveal himself to you as Jehovah Jireh. Maybe you need healing and God will reveal himself to you as the healer. Maybe you need a, a peace and God will reveal himself to you as the peace giver. Maybe, I don't know what it is, but there's always, who are you in this season and what would you have me do? We should never become complacent in our relationship with God. And I began to cry out to God in this time. And I said, God, show me who you are. And God taught me things that you could only learn in difficult times. He taught me things that I could only learn in a season of famine. And one of the most amazing simple truths that I got to know God in a deeper way was simply this. I learned how to trust Him more. I learned how to trust Him more. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 9, Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God. That's clear. We should not trust in, in, in ourselves. We should not trust in God and ourselves or ourselves and God. We need to learn to trust in God. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead if God can raise the dead, He can raise that broken marriage. If God can raise the dead, He can restore that company. If God can raise the dead, He can rectify the problems in our country. If God can raise the dead, oh, come on, with God all things are possible. If God can raise the dead, there's nothing that can stop God resurrecting something in our lives and in our nation. South Africa hasn't got a future. Says who? Don't be neutral with people that say things like that. Everybody's leaving our country. Absolute garbage. Your three aunties and friends are going. There's still, I don't know how many million of people that are living here. How come negative people are always louder? And the people that are, that are, that are positive keep quiet. No, start responding to negativity with positivity. Start responding to negativity with the Word of God. When somebody says this country's finished, I say, no, forget it. God's still on the throne. This country's got a great future. God's hand is upon this nation. We are blessed coming in. We are blessed going out. Oh, come on, good things are following us. Goodness and mercy will follow us. I just, they get irritated, but I'm not going to be neutral with them. I'm not going to be neutral. And the reason that many people can't trust God is because they stay in a place of neutrality. In the day, in the day of that church service we had at our building, I got a phone call from somebody I know, not close to me, somebody I know that day, and I didn't want to speak to them. I got home off the church service. I was having a little bride home with my wife and just trying to digest everything we'd gone through. And I got a phone call. Got a phone call. Just a phone call. And I ignored it. Then the guy phoned again. The second time I ignored it. By the third time I thought I better answer it. Somebody not even in the country. And they said, you're on my heart. I said, yeah, great. No, praise God. How are you doing? Great. And then they start telling me all these conspiracy theories about COVID. And I thought, this is all I need to hear now. The guy says, I hear there were some riots in Durban. I said, yeah, I know. Pretty, 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 pretty terrible. I'm trying not to be negative. Chat, 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 innocent. Because obviously it didn't affect your church, did it? I said, no. Unfortunately, we got a little bit sort of attacked. He goes, seriously? He says, now I know why I'm phoning you. God told me to phone you. 
He said, what happened? I told him the story. He said, uh, within a week, X amount of money will be in your church bank account. Boom, put the phone down. I haven't even spoken to the guy again. I've sent him a thank you text and a happy birthday text. That's it. God showed me that if I trust Him, He'll get what I need. It doesn't come through the sources that I think it has to come through. It doesn't come through the channels I think it might come through. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. God will put you on the heart of people that you're not even close to that will want to come and help you. But the bottom line is you've got to learn to trust God. Trust God. That our trust shouldn't be in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust, He will still deliver us. And then the second thing I learned in a deeper dimension is keep purpose your priority. Come on, the church has gone quiet on purpose. We, 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 we've come back to church, but are we bringing in the lost back to church? We've come back to church, but are we bringing the backslider back to church? We've come back to church, but are we bringing those that are hurting and broken and maybe don't look like us back to church? I learned when you prioritize God's presence, His promises, and His purpose, He begins to place you in a place of victory. Genesis 50, 20 again, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. We can't only read half the scripture. The end of it is to save many people alive. That's purpose. We're here to bring salvation to our world. The answer to South Africa's problems is not a politician. The answer to South Africa's problems is not some rich business person. The answer to South Africa's problems is Christians bringing their world to a place where they encounter the love of Jesus the mercy of God, the goodness of God, and they get saved. Joshua 1.6, when God tells Joshua to be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. When God told Joshua to be strong and courageous, it wasn't for verse 9, so that you have great success. It was for the sake of the people, purpose. Judges 6.14, when God called Gideon, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you purpose? You're mighty for purpose. You're influential for purpose. You're blessed for purpose. Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, comma, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Things work together for your good when you remain purpose-driven in Jesus' name. We have to get back to the purpose of the church, which is to win the lost at any cost. Sharing the gospel isn't an option. It's our duty. And as I close with 14 minus seconds, the third thing, quickly, we can have the faith to ask God to do it again. 2 Corinthians 1.10 says, who delivered us from so great a death. He has. Does deliver us. He's busy in whom we trust that he still will deliver us. I haven't got time to give you the whole story, but a university professor took a tour group from America to the UK to see where great revivals had begun. And they took them on a bus from London to Epworth Rectory, where John Wesley used to live. And they took them to the house where John Wesley stayed. And... They took it to the room where John Wesley slept and slept. And next to his bed, there was two knee marks on the floor where it is said that he knelt every day and prayed. Anyway, they showed them around the house and these students had a great time. And the professor said, time to get back in the bus. And they all went back to the bus. And if you go on tour with people, you always count the numbers on the bus to make sure everybody's on the bus. And the professor counted the numbers and there was one student missing. 
So the professor got out the bus, went back into the house to go and look for this student. And he walked upstairs, got to the bedroom, and there was a student in the knees, marks of John Wesley, praying. And he walked up behind him, and this is what he heard. Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again. And Lord, use me. And this professor stood there. And after a while, looked at this young man and said, Billy, Billy Graham, it's time to go. Look what God did through Billy Graham because he took the call of God seriously. How many Billy Grahams are here? How many John Wesleys are here? How many kingdom business people are here? How many people here that are so desperate to see God do it again? God can save by many or by a few. The deciding factor is not how many, but who is with you. And I want to declare this morning that God is with you. God has done it before. God is busy doing it. God will do it again. If He's done it before, He can do it again. If He's done it for somebody else, He can do it for you. And if He can do it for me, and this is my story, He can do it for you and make it your story. Oh, come on, if you believe it this morning, jump to your feet and give God some praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah.